Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right. Welcome aboard Health and Wealth Power Hour. It is great to be with you today. So glad that you took time out of your day to spend with us. Got a great show for you today. Lots of excellent information. And as we have been this entire month of May, we're really focusing on the free market, uh, looking at medical cost in a way that we do kind of everything else, letting you guys know about the different programs and organizations that are out there to help you do that. And we have a a great doctor with us today that's going to talk about her part of that and what she's seen in this entire, you know, crazy conglomerated healthcare system and how convoluted it can be and negotiating that. And as a perfect setup for that, I was looking today at a uh, another one of those studies yeah, I'd like to share with you guys. And instead of the problem getting better, it appears that it's getting worse, at least in the perception of the folks out there that are seeking care. And what I mean by that is just last year, the numbers said about 25% of individuals admitted to avoiding Healthcare. So they, they didn't get something they felt they needed. They avoided anything to do with the healthcare due to cost uncertainty, about 25%. So one in four people. Well, those numbers have skyrocketed now to 44% of people saying that they have avoided getting healthcare services because they were unsure of what the cost would be. And that number gets even higher, not surprisingly, that number gets even higher when you talk to the individuals that have a high deductible health plan, it jumps up to over 50% of those individuals chose not to get some type of health care service because they were unsure of what the cost would be. That's just not cool. That's just not right. It, you really should be able to get the services that you need and you should have access to that health care without being so concerned that the cost is going to be completely out of your range, that really, I mean, your first thought should be getting better instead of worrying about what it's going to cost. And we see that across the board in lots of different types of situations. But one of the primary places we see it where things can go south very, very quickly if you are not taking care of yourself and if you are not really getting into uh, all the ups and downs of what can happen to you, not talking to someone that can help you in the best way possible, is 
the realm of diabetes. And diabetes has got to the point now where pretty much everyone knows someone, if not multiple people, that have some type of issue with diabetes. And unfortunately, what we've seen is in most cases, people just, if they do anything, they just try to treat it, not get rid of it. Uh, not uh, go to the point where maybe you are you're, you don't have to take insulin anymore. Uh, a lot of things can be done through diet. A lot of things can be done by changing your lifestyle. But a lot of times people don't get the right type of information or they try to do it themselves because of the the cost issues or the accessibility issues. And so with us today is someone that can help you with that. And I'm going to do my best to not butcher your name. I'm going to let, let, let me see if I can get this right now. Arthi. Yes. <laughs> I got the Arthi right. That's actually amazing because everybody butchers that one. Arthi, yep. <laughs> Arthi, thing I do. Yep, you did that perfectly, Harlan. <laughs> All right. So, so that's it. I, I get to make sure I tell my wife I did something right today. got to get all the credit that you deserve right (laughs) that's right that's right well it is it is really a joy to have you on board i know you are a big big proponent of the free market medical association uh, just like i am it was great to see you at that conference a couple of weeks ago and your concern your true concern for people and their battle with diabetes and uh, and really other issues that go across endocrinology that just so impressed me in talking to you, seeing seeing someone who's really kind of changed their practice and changed their own model so that you could help more people. And so why don't you talk a little bit about your journey first to kind of get where you are now, and then we can talk a little bit about more about where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And thank you so much for having me on today. Yes, um, So I'm an endocrinologist, and so that means I am – uh, physician, so four years of med school, three years of internal medicine residency, two years of endocrinology fellowship, and um, then a board certification exam in endocrinology. Um, and now I'm also board certified in internal medicine as well as lifestyle medicine. Um, and I started my practice um, when I finished my fellowship. I kind of got my dream job um, as an attending physician in a private practice, and um, I was so excited and that experience was actually wonderful you know it was um, a very very busy private practice we saw 500 patients a day in that practice and wow. so I had just patients literally falling into my lap I saw 20 patients my first day of clinic and then my days just got busier from there um, and it gave me a great opportunity to get a lot of experience fresh out of training and um, also to kind of go over the guidelines and um, read all of our guidelines over and over and again and to really commit a lot of them to memory and, and to practice them a lot. So I am so grateful for having that opportunity when I was a fresh, um, fresh attending physician. Um, but in that experience, as you can imagine, um, if you do the math, when you're seeing 30-plus patients a day, that's just not much time with a patient. Um, and you think about just different stopping points in a clinic that you don't even get to see the patient for as much time um, as eight hours divided by 32 is because there's a lot of um, inefficiencies in in a clinic, right? And so, um, you know, sometimes I would have 
five minutes with a patient or, you know, my 8 a.m. would be ready for me to see them at 10 a.m. And so when your first patient is um, not seen until two hours after their visit, like everything gets behind and you're you're really crunched for time. And what I noticed is, one, patients were really unhappy. As you can imagine, they were waiting for hours in the waiting room for for me and and it was out of my control, right? I wasn't always running behind as far as the time I was allotted, but there are other things that were um, were making them wait. Sometimes patients had to take off a full day or a half day of work, which is not feasible for many people, which um, lends to the access of care that um, you kind of touched on, Harlan. Um, you know, if, if it's not practical for a patient to go see their doctor or it disables them from being able to put food on the table, well, then they're not going to do it, right? And so um, that was a big issue. And I just noticed that other things were falling through the cracks. Like I would write a prescription and for some reason, either an insurance authorization issue or, you know, some reason or the other, sometimes the patients wouldn't get the prescription. Sometimes they would need a refill, but not be able to call and get through to get their medications refilled. And it sort of felt like to me, you know, I was spending all this time. I literally, like, I, you know me, Harlan, I am so passionate about patient care. And I was pouring my heart and soul into these visits with patients. And then the plan that we came up with together wouldn't get seen through for things that I felt were out of my control and out of the patient's control. And that was pretty disheartening to me. Um, and I really felt like I had this amazing gift to really transform patients' lives for the better and to make them healthier. And the system was just going against all of my best efforts and my patients' best efforts. So in 2019, a lot of things happened in my life. I I had my son, my second child, and, um, you know, I really had this moment of, like, who am I and what am I doing here? Like, what is my purpose in life? You know, what is my purpose um, at home, what is my purpose with my career? And I realized that I have a lot of important duties as a person. And if I'm not truly impacting people's lives, well, there's other things that I need to do too. But I wasn't ready to give up because, you know, I've been training for a long time. I thought I was pretty good at what I did. A lot of patients um, were asking to um, change to me as their physician um, where I was working. And Um, you know, I had a good thing going with my patients and I didn't want to leave my patients either. And so around that same time, I learned about direct primary care and I kind of thought, well, endocrinology and primary care have a lot of overlap. Sometimes we think of ourselves as like primary care on steroids because we treat um, kind of more complicated or advanced metabolic disease like diabetes, um, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, Um, We also treat a lot of thyroid disease, a lot of things that PCPs uh, manage, um, but when they get too complex, um, they send them over to us. So I thought, well, we have kind of a similar model. We need time with our patients, and um, maybe it can work for endocrinology. So I took a big leap of faith um, and decided to start my practice back in 2019, Um, and really haven't looked back since. It's been amazing. People seem to be looking for something different because many patients are dissatisfied with their experiences with the traditional healthcare system. I'm able to offer transparency of pricing, which um, 
in the traditional model. I just was not able to, you know, we have um, uh, contracts with um, LabCorp and they give us discounted pricing with um, that we can offer to our patients transparently. Um, you know, one thing that I did do when I was in my practice was I was kind of looking at my patients' bills because, you know, we have a super bill. I, I can see it and just started talking to them about the cost of their care. And I was like, holy crap, I think I can offer them a better deal and offer, you know, myself the opportunity to have that doctor-patient relationship that I was really craving um, in a different setting. So, yeah, so I started there. The practice grew much faster than I thought it would be, and I've had some other opportunities because of it. And um, here we are today, you know, in 2020, of course, the pandemic hit, and in a cash-based membership practice, I was able to transition to telemedicine very easily, and the patients were very grateful and excited about that. Um, And so early March of 2020, while a lot of practices were kind of like fumbling, trying to figure out if they were going to get reimbursed for telemedicine, we just made the switch one day and said, hey, patients, you want to go telemedicine? They were like, yes, please. We're so scared, right? We were all so scared. Um, And then, um, so then I started telemedicine. And then last summer, I moved to Houston and was able to keep a lot of my patients and our relationships that I built in San Antonio um, through telemedicine because the patients seem to love telemedicine. So I've really kind of been able to forge into the, um, the arena of telemedicine through this process as well. That is, that is really, really a great transition. And we're going to talk about how you can do that telemedicine and the impact you're having on those folks when we get back from our break. Stay with us, folks. A lot more to come. Hard on forget, Health and Wealth Power Hour. Be right back. All right, and we are back. Harlan Pickett, Health and Wealth Power Hour with our special guest, Dr. Arthi Thingadu. Appreciate you joining with us today, Doc. And as we went to break there, you were kind of telling us your your whole story of coming out of med school, working in a big clinic, and noticing one of the things that so many people get frustrated with, and that is the time that they have to spend with their doctor. And it was a frustration for you also. Uh, but you decided not to not to keep going down that road because you have such a great heart for your 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 patients. You started your own practice, and due to COVID, like many things, you kind of transitioned into telemedicine. And if I'm not mistaken, you're pretty much 100% telemedicine now. Is that correct? Yep. All right. So now that you've made that transition, what does that look like for someone, a new patient, or even one of your existing patients? What does that look like now? Yeah. So um, so for most of my patients, so I do one in-person clinic day a quarter. So very much telemedicine heavy. Um, and so for, for my patients, we do a virtual visit and now with diabetes technology, I can actually download their, um, insulin pumps or continuous glucose monitoring systems or some patients even with glucometers, simple glucometers that we've been using for decades actually have apps and uploads that they can send me through, um, email or we have you know, portals online that I can just kind of log into their, um, their information remotely. And so um, I can do a virtual visit where I can see the patient, like through a video visit, 
I can actually share my screen so I can review blood work with them. I can review all of their diabetes technology online. Um, and I can also, um, I can also share a whiteboard. So I do a lot of education with my patients. My initial visits are an hour um, and my follow-ups are 30 minutes. So there's a huge education component um, to my visits because I think knowledge is power and I really want to empower patients and give them the tools to make helpful lifestyle choices and to really understand the pathophysiology of their diseases and how different um, treatments, whether they be medication or lifestyle, how, how they are impacting their lives. I feel like that really gets them engaged. Um, so we have uh, what we call a whiteboard, um, and I can draw for them, which is uh, which I used to do in, in the clinic on a piece of paper, but now I can draw and they can see it in real time. Um, and then if they want, I can actually save that and, and email it to them so that they have my notes. Um, and I do have a lot of online resources also for the patient, so they can um, review those on their own time. Now, one of the things that you and I have discussed before is, you know, we, we talked about those numbers earlier of the number of people who don't go get care. And I know that the numbers were pretty startling on a lot of folks that do have diabetes that were not taking their medicine or not doing follow-up visits and such uh, during the pandemic. And what that ends up being is a lot more complications, a lot more need for both in and outpatient care. And one of the things that you you know made clear to me is that the majority of the cost of dealing with diabetes is there. So <laughs> if you're if you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to end up with these other higher cost situations that you have no control. You're going to have to seek care because of those situation you put yourself in. So yeah, tell, and I, tell me some of the things that you, I mean, I know that seeing somebody and getting an understanding of what's going on, things you just talked about are important. But what's, what's really that first step? And, and what are some of the things people should be looking for to see if they may have an issue? Yeah, so I think um, one, I would like to take a step back and say, you know, I think we do put a lot of blame on the patients for perhaps not taking care of themselves. However, you know, I have a, a large patient cohort where they were being seen and their diabetes was still not well controlled. And then when they changed from um, their general doctor to me as an endocrinologist, well, we had tremendous outcomes and the numbers, um, you know, if, if you know about diabetes and the metabolic markers that we use, hemoglobin A1C is, uh, is an important one. Their A1C was actually rising with their primary care doctor. And then once we had our intervention for me as an endocrinologist, um, they, they went from a hemoglobin A1C that was rising by 0.25% to reducing their A1C by 2%. Um, their LDL dropped, their weight dropped, they decreased their use of insulin. They also um, decreased their use of medications in general, and they, and they had less hypoglycemia, um, which can confound the A1C and actually make it look lower. So I think that 0.25% increase was actually probably worse than that um, when you consider they were also having hypoglycemia in there. And so... Um, Patients need good care, right? They need somebody who is an 
expert to kind of guide them through their diabetes care. And I'm not saying that primary, I love primary care doctors. I think they're doing an amazing job, especially in the DPC space, and they're doing everything that they can. But um, that, that's a reason specialists exist, right? Like sometimes yeah. um, we need to have the time and expertise to focus on that one disease because PCPs are just, uh, they have they're dealing with everything under the sun for the patient. So we, we need to be there to help them out. Um, and so, so I think that we can't blame the patients here. Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to, you know, be obese or overweight or anything like that. And so um, I think it's really important for us to make sure that we're, we're not blaming, blaming patients. And as we discussed before, the healthcare system does not um, make it easy either. And so, um, so I think that's an important thing to, to bring up. Um, but the, the first thing is screening, right? So people should be screened for diabetes. Now the USPSTF came out with new guidelines saying that we should be screening everyone for diabetes uh, 35 and older. And so, you know, you hear of people who... Um, the first time they went to a doctor was because uh, they had a terrible infection or something bad happened, and then they got diagnosed in their, you know, in their 50s, you know, and 60s, something like that. Well, these people probably had diabetes for years and years and years, and they just didn't know because they weren't getting screened. So we should all be getting screened when we're 35 or above. Um, I got screened this year. I made my husband get screened. Um, and we should be, if we have other potential, um, comorbidities or risk factors like overweight obesity, perhaps we should be screening earlier than that because, um, you know, people have diabetes when they're, they're very young. And sometimes it's surprising, like I'm, I'm Indian. So in Southeast Asian populations, we tend to have, uh, a propensity for metabolic disease. So we really need to screen and screen early and make sure we're doing those screenings routinely so we're not missing the boat on many of these patients. Yeah, and I understand exactly what you're saying there because you have to really look at that. You have to look at your family history you and obviously your your condition yourself, what your, what your situation is. And, you know, one of the things that that I really want to point out is I, I really wasn't saying let's blame the patients earlier. What I was really saying is a lot of people, the blame falls to them for not going to the doctor, even when something's wrong, mm-hmm. because they're afraid of what the cost is. And what can end up happening then is the by waiting and not getting the screening or getting checked out, you may get to the point where you have those complications or need that in or outpatient care now. And and that then you're really talking about a cost, right? Because now you've yeah, got to the you're point talking where about cost. a financial cost. <laughs> right. You're talking about a huge financial cost and also a quality of life cost, right? Right. Like, right. Absolutely. I mean, which is which is literally priceless. So I think that yeah, we need to make access um, better, and that fear, right? You know, sometimes you would rather just pay more if you knew how much you were paying, right? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I right. I think the lack of transparency is a huge problem. Absolutely. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back from our break. And another startling number that you shared with me that I was absolutely beside myself in disbelief 
with the number of U.S. counties that do not have access to an endocrinologist. So I was really startled yeah. by that. We'll talk about that along with a lot more when we come back. Harlan Pickett, Health and Power Hour. Be right back. All right, a little bit of stones to get us going. Good job there, Gary. Always a pleasure to be with you, buddy. You always do a great job, man. All right, we are back. Harlan Pickett, Health and Wealth Power Hour. We have Dr. Arthi Thangadu with us today, endocrinologist extraordinaire. She really has a great heart for folks, and it has been her goal since the beginning when she came out of medical school to help folks deal with situations such as diabetes, and she has made some major transitions in her practice so that she can help more people and build that doctor-patient relationship that I think a lot of folks out there crave today. And when you're dealing with something such as diabetes and a lot of the other issues with endocrinology, I think it's vitally important that you have that relationship. And as we were going to break, I was sharing for just a moment some numbers that you had provided me that just were startling to me, and that is that 75% of counties in the United States do not have an endocrinologist. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. It is crazy. We are truly a dying field. Um, we have more endocrinologists retiring than, um, than we're graduating fellows. And so it is, it is tremendously difficult to get into an endo. Um, many endos, I would say most endos have about a three-month wait list, some places six months, um, which, you know, it's too long. <laughs> it's too long to wait to get into your doctor. And, um, right. you know, when follow-ups are being spread further and further apart just because of a lack of space in, in clinics, it's, it's just really sad. So... You know, I love direct care, and it has really transformed my life, and um, and it has given me purpose, um, tremendous purpose to improve diabetes care. Uh, and so, I I really hope that this is a space that we can grow for endocrinology because it works it works very well for both patients and physicians, and I think the community and can work very well for employers as well. Um, and it also may, may make endocrinology a more appealing field for our um, medical students and internal medicine residents. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think one of the things you mentioned earlier and is your love and appreciation for direct primary care, that model. Um, those of you listening know very well that uh, I'm a very big proponent of it. Eagle Care is also a very big proponent of it. You can get those direct primary care doctors as part of your option when you do an Eagle Care plan. And what you really work with is as a referral from those direct primary cares because there are there are limitations to what a doctor can do, which, like you said before, that's what specialists are for. You you don't have a congestive heart failure and see your primary care doctor for that. You go to your cardiologist. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you don't have gastro problems and and typically if they're bad, you know if there's some serious situations there with gastro, you go see a gastro doctor. You don't stay with your primary care. That's not saying that those doctors can't help you in some level. It just means it gets beyond what their scope is. That's why you are a specialist in a certain field. But still, mm-hmm. 
85% of patients that have diabetes are still cared for by their primary care physician. And that, yep. once again, is is that because they don't know any better or the doctor doesn't want to refer them or are the patients afraid of the cost of going to a specialist or a combination of those things or what? I think there's a little bit of all of it, but I think, um, like I said, there is just a huge wait list for an endocrinologist. And I think that it's hard to get into endos. Um, and, you know, I think there are patients with diabetes, you know, if they're on metformin alone and they, they aren't interested in seeing a specialist, um, perhaps they're fine with a primary care doctor. And some primary care doctors are great at managing diabetes. It just depends on that particular physician's um, comfort level and experience, expertise, all of those things. Um, But I think there is a lack of education amongst our population, both physicians and patients, of of what an endocrinologist can offer. There's also lack of access to endocrinology. Like we said, there's just not very many of us. Um, And so I think those those are really big things. And now, Diabetes is so common that I feel like people have lost that sense of urgency. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just have diabetes, high cholesterol, and like high blood pressure. No big deal. But it is a huge deal, right? These are the things that um, are highly costly and can be highly devastating, increase your risk of cardiovascular events, stroke, uh, amputations, blindness, kidney disease, dialysis. These are really, really important diseases to treat, and just because they're common, doesn't mean that they shouldn't, you know, make our alarms go off and say, okay, we really need to aggressively treat this when it's early. And the phrase that I want to, like, to demolish from our vocabulary is, oh, it's just prediabetes. It drives me insane because there's no such thing as just prediabetes. Prediabetes (laughs) is a huge opportunity and a wake-up call for us to say, hey, okay, well, we don't need to maybe use a bunch of medications, but we do need to intervene as far as intensive lifestyle intervention. We don't want to just sit here and wait for this prediabetes to develop into full-blown diabetes and then, you know, get bent out of shape about it. We want to prevent it from ever happening, and that is possible. You know, it is highly possible. And um, so I think that if you see a doctor and they're not giving you great um recommendations or they're not too concerned when when you have a diagnosis of prediabetes, that may be a point in which you um, speak to an endocrinologist. I know endocrinology clinics are inundated just like primary care clinics. So perhaps if you're really interested in that intensive lifestyle coaching, figuring out what you need to do to prevent um, progression of diabetes, then a direct care endocrinologist may be a better option because we're going to have a little bit more time to spend with you um, or a diabetes nutritionist, or a diabetes educator, something like that, because prevention is is really key here. And um, if we can prevent progression, that that's going to be the best thing. There's so many patients I see that get referred to me so late, like they already have kidney disease, they've already had a heart attack, they've already had stents placed, and I'm just like, oh, I wish I saw you 10 years ago, right? Like this never had to happen because I see these patients and they're able to make tremendous lifestyle changes and they get their blood sugars down within like months of seeing me. It's not like these patients were just not doing their part or not interested in participating. It's because um, they didn't 
have the right connection with their physician. Maybe they didn't have a good relationship or, or they weren't given the right advice um, because otherwise it wouldn't make any sense that the same exact patients would do so much better when they see somebody who is a specialist or who is very engaged in their diabetes care. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I mentioned at the very beginning of the show. And I had this same conversation with uh, somebody at the uh, Benefits Pro Broker Expo that we were at in Austin earlier this week. And that is that so many people just don't take diabetes as serious as they used to. And mm-hmm. and, and it's because it is so much more common, I, I think, or at least it's diagnosed more common. Maybe it's not a whole lot more common, but it's just diagnosed more commonly now. And we mm-hmm. even see that in the insurance industry where it used to be considered a pretty serious thing and you could get declined life insurance. You could get, even back then you could get declined health insurance. And now you're, you can be issued a life insurance policy on a standard basis, even if you have diabetes. So it's, um, I, I think when people think about it that way, they say, Oh, it's just another one of those things. I can just control it with medication. And a lot of folks don't take the steps you're talking about to, reverse the problem to reverse it why do you want to keep taking that medication why do you want to do that let's not do it let's let's change some eating habits let's change let's make some better lifestyle choices and get away from those things and Mm -hmm. it's very possible to not just treat the symptoms but to actually get rid of get rid of it let's get back to where you can live a good healthy lifestyle and and not treat it like it's just nothing. Let's not treat it like it's just uh, the same thing as having a cold or whatever. You know, it's just, it is. It's a serious thing, and it can cause some very serious issues. Uh, you mentioned some of those earlier things, uh, such as kidney disease and heart issues, uh, amputations, uh, blindness, a lot of those things that uh, can happen just because things go sideways. And if you're not taking care of yourself, it can get much, much worse. And you do have a model that people can follow and and they can have that first assessment with you and then kind of kind of go along with you and and no matter where they are in this country they can they can do that and that is a a very different thing and we're going to talk more about that when we come back and I also want to ask you something that I think is a little bit interesting and that is that some folks because of these long waits for waiting to see an endocrinologist or even a long wait now to see a primary care physician in a lot of cases, they look for alternative ways to treat these things. Uh, sometimes they just find something online or they hear about something. And and this, this can sometimes be a pretty serious situation that they can put themselves in by looking for some of these alternative ways. And so I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back. And I also want you to talk about your model and how people can get in touch with you and what those first steps are. A lot more to come. Hardly forget, tell them what power. We'll be right back. And we are back. Harlan Pickett, Health and Well Power. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have endocrinologist extraordinaire Dr. Arthi Thingadu with us today. Doc, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, when we went to break, one of the things that I know a lot of people are doing and we're not we don't have to talk about specific things that places are going but when folks start seeking alternative means to look at or to take care of some of their issues especially something as serious as diabetes it can really 
become a serious situation. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen on that. Yeah, so as an endocrinologist, I see a lot of this. And and pretty much every single time, it's patients saying, well, I didn't feel heard by my doctor, my traditional um, insurance-based doctor. And so I sought out another provider, and they spent time with me. And usually these are cash-based practices. Of course, I don't have a problem with cash-based practices as I'm on here today, and I have my own cash-based practice. But um, usually in cash-based practices, we can spend more time with a patient because we're not pressured um, by the insurance model. So these patients seek alternative um, styles of care. And um, oftentimes these are not physicians. They're not board certified. They have no liability um, and they're not experts, you know, but they are self-proclaimed experts that are giving patients time and that relationship that they so desire and they need. And patients truly deserve to be heard by their doctor. Um, And so it's not the patient's fault that they're seeking alternative uh, models of care. And how is a patient supposed to know, right? A patient doesn't know what we learn in medical school. And so they aren't responsible for ethical delivery of care, and they sort of assume that somebody who's calling themselves a doctor, you know, most of them assume they went to medical school, right? Most of them assume that um, they are an expert in the field that they say that they're an expert in. And many patients, and I advocate a lot on social media for patients to check, look up their doctor, make sure they're board certified, make sure that they um, don't have any issues with their license or, or um, reprimands from the medical board because all of this is publicly available and it's sad <laughs> that we have to recommend that people do this. But, you know, we should probably be doing this for all professionals that we work with right. um, and, right. and doctors are no different. But there's a lot of, you know, acupuncturists, chiropractors, um, people like that who perhaps in their space really do benefit patients but practicing outside of their scope into the space of hormones. And um, as you can imagine, there can be a lot of dangerous stuff. And, you know, I don't know what their intentions are. Perhaps they don't know what they don't know. Um, But what we see a lot is patients on very, very um, dangerous supplements, dangerous um, therapeutic agents. Um, If it is somebody who has prescribing authority, sometimes they are on the craziest, for example, thyroid regimens that I have ever seen and profoundly thyrotoxic, which can lead to, you know, heart arrhythmias, strokes, osteoporosis, so not like mild, oh, I took this supplement and there's no side effect. There are massive side effects. I mean, we see patients in the hospital um, from these hormonal supplements. And so I think we're in a space in healthcare where so many patients are, there's so much social media marketing. There's There's so many things being marketed to our patients as far as supplements or alternative medicine. And, um, and there's a need for, for change because patients are just not feeling heard from, from their five-minute doctor's appointment. I mean, who would? And right. so they're looking for these other things um, that may not be safe. So perhaps we as, you know, board-certified physicians who have training and liability and credentials and all of those things, maybe we should be offering something to those patients, right, offering the, them the time and listening ear that they need, as well as evidence-based, um, safe, effective treatments that is supported by, you know, large studies and 
um, true clinical experience and expertise. Well, it's interesting you say that because that brings us right back to someone who does do something differently and give patients more time, which just happens to be you. Uh, <laughs> so, so tell us about your model. Tell us about what you're doing now. You told us obviously you're doing telemedicine, but but somebody new, somebody that's right out there right now, they they are they they still got four months before they can see their endocrinologist that they were referred to by their primary care. They're on there, but sometimes in September they believe they may get to see their doctor. Well, there's no reason to wait. They can call you. Tell them what that's going to look like. Yeah. So my clinic is a membership-based practice for the most part. I mean, I am a specialist, so we do have you know a handful of patients who. Um, you know, if I see if they only need to be seen once a year, there's really no reason for them to be paying a monthly membership. So we do have like a consultation um, based, uh, small base in our practice. But for the most part, we're a membership based practice. It's kind of like a gym membership. Um, patients have unlimited access. Uh, that means unlimited visits, unlimited calls, texts, emails to me as their physician. Um, throughout that time. And I love this because I I tell my patients, the point of this model is for you guys to reach out to me. Like, don't feel like you're inconveniencing me by reaching out because I'd rather be in the loop than out of the loop. And, you know, in this type of model where, you know, the initial visit is an hour long, the follow-ups are 30 minutes long, and the patients can reach out to me in between visits, we develop a really strong relationship. So it's not like a patient is calling me and I'm some random doctor on call and I don't know their history. I know them very well. And so, um, you know, it's, it becomes this beautiful relationship between me and the patients, and um, I get to be a sounding board for them as well. And so, um, yeah, unlimited access, monthly, um, monthly membership, and, um, you know, the patients, they don't have to sign, like, a one-year contract or anything like that. If they, they let us know 30 days before they need to cancel, you know, I know life changes, and so, um, you know, that's that's kind of how it works for our, our membership. Um, so they basically get concierge access um, and also discounted pricing. So we have um, contracted rates with lab core on discounted labs. So we can tell, I can tell a patient, oh, your labs are going to cost 30 bucks this month. Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. Okay, then I'll order them and send them. As opposed to, you know, the traditional practice where um, I'm going to send your labs. I don't know how much they're going to cost. You'll find out after you get them done, and you'll be on the hook right. for whatever that is, whether it's <laughs> ten bucks or five hundred bucks or two thousand bucks. You know, whatever it is, you're going to have to pay it, and I have no idea. Um, same thing for imaging studies. And the the distinction between concierge and direct care is that typically how concierge medicine works is that you're paying for access, and I don't have a problem with concierge medicine by any means. I think if you have the means to do it, fantastic access to a doctor, having a doctor in your back pocket is priceless. But um, but basically you pay a retainer to retain that physician as your own. And then typically they will bill your insurance for office visits. Um, and typically they don't really have discounted rates for um, labs or cash pricing for labs imaging those things so it's basically um a service that you're paying for to have better access to your doctor which is is fantastic um direct care is more about um value right you you do pay to to have access to that doctor but you also um get discounted rates and so for many patients it's tremendously cost savings and certainly um the pricing transparency gives people a lot of peace of mind yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, it's a proven model 
on the direct primary care side. And it's been one of those, the, the direct specialist side is, is really up and coming now because of, I think, Part of it is the success of the direct, direct primary care model, uh, specialists seeing that it's possible. And I really also believe from the doctors I've talked to, and you know, you, you run in some of the same circles I do. So those direct primary doctors are very supportive of folks such as yourself in the specialty side going this direction too, because that supports them. They they really believe they should be referring some folks towards there. And then have so having someone... Uh, you know, take up the torch and and look at uh, look at things from a different way. I think supports the whole the whole group, the whole doctor group, and brings them back to really where they were. You know, it's one of those funny things of how uh, how highly thought of doctors were, even whenever I was a kid, and it still wasn't out of the realm of possibility for a doctor to come visit you and to give you that extra time. I can never remember as a as a kid getting you know, run out of my doctor's office because our five minutes was up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, that is a, uh, definitely a level of frustration that a lot of folks have. Uh, well, yeah, how can folks, for sure. How, how can folks get a hold of you? Yeah, so our website is www.sacomplete.com. Um, you can contact us through there. All, we have a contact box as well as our numbers and everything are there. And also, um, I am on social media. It's just uh, on Instagram, um, Dr. Arthi Sangadu, so just my name. I have a YouTube channel that has just free educational material um, for um, anyone who's interested. And so those are those are the multiple ways. If you want to um, enroll in our clinic, contact us through the website, but follow me on social media too if you um, are looking for some education on diabetes, endocrinology, and metabolism. Absolutely, and I know they can probably get more information there too. But you also work on second opinions, and I know you've had I a do. lot. Uh, yeah, you've had a lot of success on that side too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we're just about out of time, but to learn more about that, and there's a an incredible story that you can. Uh, you maybe you've made a video about it. And if you haven't, then you need to make a video about the second opinion that you gave the the million dollar second opinion uh, that you that you gave. So uh, it's been really great having you on. I sure appreciate the time that you've taken with us today. I am a huge fan and a huge fan of your practice. And I'll just I'll just give you this little tease. Family members going to be reaching out to you for some specialty information coming up real soon. Thank you, Dr. Arthur. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Harlan. Have a great day. You too. All right, gang. We'll catch you next time. Health and Wealth Fire Hour. We are out. <laughs>